All right. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the third Uncle Stevie's Nephews podcast. It's me, Brian, and I'm joined with my fellow two nephews, Frank and Spencer. Um, (laughs) We're going to – there's a lot of Mets news this week. Um, Okay, so we're going to talk about Trevor May. We're going to talk about the non-tender tendered deadline, um, some interesting people that were tendered by other teams – uh Jake Odorizzi, Sonny Gray, GM, who's in the GM mix, all the stuff that's been in the Mets news. So first we're gonna start off with Trevor May. Obviously, Trevor May, they signed him. What day was it? Um I think it was Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Let's go with that. I think that's right. Okay, so Trevor May. If you don't know Trevor May, he's obviously a relief pitcher. He's been on the twins for his whole career starting in 2014. He's also a Twitch streamer. Um I think I saw there's been a bunch of stories. I think he was also a DJ or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> guy. Um, in terms of his actual baseball talent, since that's what this podcast is, um, he's a very uh, solid relief pitcher. And I mean, for me, I'm very happy that they signed, they went out and signed him. I mean, looking at the free agents that we have been talking about, Trevor May, I never even knew was a free agent. And that's something that like, we should, we should all consider. Like there's so many options out there that, no one's really talking about, but are definitely there. Um, looking at his stats last year, 386 ERA. Um, okay, this is too much stuff here. Okay, 386 ERA, 1-0, games played, 24 games. Um, and his previous years before that, 2019, 294 ERA, 2018, 320 ERA. And it seems like after from 2018 to 2020, he really started to figure it out. Um, he's a hard-throwing what is he, left? Right-handed. Right. Yeah, right. Um, I think he had 14.7 strikeouts per nine innings or something, 14.9, mm-hmm. something around there. Yeah. Um, so he's a very solid relief pitcher that the Mets went out and signed. In my opinion, I mean, I in the order of trust in the Mets bullpen, I'd probably go Seth Lugo, maybe Edwin Diaz, and then Trevor May. Um, and that's a huge signing for the Mets. Um what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I really like May. I, I like where, what you said, where he's like, you know, right with those guys, Diaz and Lugo. I mean, the one thing about Trevor May, I would say like my only really critique is the fact that he's not a closer. I yeah. feel like th- that was the one thing I kind of like. That's why Brad Hands is a little higher on my radar. But the thing is, is that the Mets were able to do something to their bullpen without spending too much to the point where it prevents them from still going after two of those big guys that we talked about. Because I feel like yeah. Liam Hendricks is probably looking for a lot even though he's the best yeah. option. But I don't know how that would affect your pursuit of a Bauer, of a Springer, of a Lindor, whoever the guy may be. But what's good about May is that he still gets the job done. And what I really like is that strikeout number because one of the things that the Mets struggle with, especially the relievers that they have, Diaz, Batances, these guys, mm-hmm. they're not good with runners on base because of their command. And the other thing that Trevor May has in his favor is his strikeout to walk ratio is also very good. So that means that if there's a situation where, let's say, Stroman is pitching, has a couple guys on, Trevor May could come in, and because he's such a good strikeout pitcher, he could strand those runners. That's right. something that not every reliever could do. There are some relievers that like need a clean inning in order to be really successful. So I definitely could see him having a big-time impact over the Mets because of how much better he is than a lot of the other middle relievers that they have. I mean, SNY already had a post. I don't know if you guys saw. They already put him with the seventh slot. For the seventh yeah. inning, and then they had Lugo at eight, and then Diaz is the closer. So apparently, they already know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the only, <laughs> it definitely is. But the problem is that that automatically means that Lugo is not in the rotation. Yeah. So that b- 
pretty much puts you, as I've said before, but you have two openings in the starting rotation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you do do that, you put Lugo back there. Yeah. But in theory, if there is a way they can get Lugo and Speck in the bullpen, that is a solid 7-8-9 because if right. you have a guy that you could trust in an inning, it also shortens the gains too to the yeah. point where it's like if you could get six out of your starting pitcher, you're probably good the rest of the way through. You know, mm-hmm. and there are other times where, you know, sometimes Lugo goes multiple days if he gets like a six out save or something like that. So there could be some days where Trevor May could take the eighth inning and then Diaz could take the ninth. You know, it just gives them a lot more versatility what they could do in the bullpen, which I like. Yeah, I mean, you can never have enough relief pitchers. And never. Yeah. Going after a big one like Trevor May is definitely a big signing for the Mets. And it's like they didn't have to spend a lot for him. So it's Yes, a uh, seven million is a steal. Yeah. Yeah. What I what I love about it is that they still have Cano money left over after this signing. You <laughs> That's know what I mean? true. Not, yeah. to, not to mention the amount of money they were going to sign to begin with, but they still have money left over. I mean, technically, they could just they were before Cano uh, got suspended. They were they were already going to pursue two of the major guys, mm-hmm. so now they could just use Cano money for relief pitching. If you want to yeah. consider it that way, yeah. Um, yeah. So definitely a good signing by them. He goes down as the first uh, Uncle Stevie. Uh, free agent signing in his hopefully long tenure with the Mets. Um, next up, I, we're going to talk about the non-tender tender deadline. So probably one of the more interesting um, moves that the Mets decided to make was non-tendering Jason Shreve, Jason Shreve. I always say it the wrong way. Um, so last year, I mean, uh, Frank did uh, POV about this, but um he he was really well. He did really well in the beginning of the season. Then had a few games where he struggled. And in a sixty-game season, it's going to increase your ERA. So you see, he has a three ninety-six ERA. That's not. That's definitely not bad, especially for a leaf pitcher. But it's not what he what he, where he was at like one point under two. Yeah, um, it, it was. I have the number right here. As September seventeenth, after a two and a third scoreless outing by Jason Shreve, it lowered his ERA to one ninety-nine. Yeah. So I mean. His, he had a few games where it pushed the ERA up, and that's what's going to happen in a 60-game season. And that's why he has a higher ERA than some might think that he had based off how he was doing that season. Um, and in terms of why they went out and non-tendered him, that's kind of what we're going to discuss. But some of the reasons that I've seen, and I was talking to my brother about this, who's also a big Mets fan. Um, so, obviously, Chase and Shreve's a left-handed relief pitcher. Um, and... It was kind of between Chase and Shreve and Robert Kesselman who would get like that left-handed uh, pitching spot in the bullpen. I don't know why there has to, why they were considering only one, which doesn't really make sense to me. But what basically what he said um, that was kind of interesting is that Sandy Alderson drafted Robert Kesselman, Brody Van Wagen signed Chase and Shreve. Brody Van Wagen's not there anymore. Sandy Alderson's now there. Um, so Sandy Alderson has more trust in a guy that was one of his guys, not one of Brody Van Wyden's guys, which is interesting. Um, I mean, I feel like the, the more the merrier, but whatever. And the other big reason that I saw is that Chasing Tree is also out of options. So, like, he can't be sent down, things like that, um, which is definitely an uh, interesting point. Um, however, they were only going to – I think I saw, like, it would probably arbitration would be, like, $2 million for him, which yep. isn't a lot in Chasing Tree definitely proved that he was worth $2 million in my opinion. Um, and I think proved to a lot of Mets fans that we'd rather have him over Robert Gazelman. Um, yeah. I mean, I would have liked to see Chase and Shreve not be non-tendered. There are reasons why I don't think they're the best reasons um, to not keep a guy like him. Yeah. That's what I have to say about it. Yeah. I want to get Spencer's take on this because I, I have a lot I want to say. So I want Spencer to take it first. I mean, the more I think about it, 
at first I was like, oh, I mean, it's not it's not that bad that we lost. We can get someone else. But then, like, right now, looking at sportrack.com, they show all the like, expiring contracts, different players. There's not that many lefties left in the market that are marketable besides Brad Hand. And I don't know if we're going to go after him after we get Trevor Mate. We'll see what happens. But there's not that many, like, maybe, like, there's Sean Doolittle, Oliver yeah. Perez. These are all old guys that I don't know Oliver if they have Perez. any. Oliver <laughs> Yeah. You know what's funny? We were talking about strikeouts per nine. Oliver Perez strikeouts per nine is actually really, really good, which is – you know, good it's for definitely him. Definitely been good in his back. Yeah. Yeah. And the only shot is like if we take it. Well, no, not even because he bats lefty. He bats righty. He pitches lefty. Go figure. Kirby Yates, but <laughs> that doesn't even work. <laughs> yeah. There's no one really else in the market that could replace mm-hmm. him. Yeah, I mean, what's crazy? Like, like the only guy that maybe could replace him is Justin Wilson, who the Mets yeah. also already have. So yeah, like, so it's like you know, you're not really getting any like new uh, a new face in the bullpen. But what I don't get is that like. It's not so much lefty specialists because, to me, I think that's kind of going extinct a little bit now, yeah. this three batter mm-hmm. minimum rule. You don't that's just true. bring in the lefty to face the lefty as much anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's not what Shreve was doing. What Shreve was doing was that long relief thing where, you know, all these times of starting pitchers, the Waka, the Mats, the Gazelman, you know, Porcello, these guys go two innings, three innings. And if you look at his game log, game after game, it was two innings, two innings in the third, two innings, two innings, two innings. And most of the time, it was scoreless. And what happened was that, like, even though you got a bad outing of your starting pitcher, because of these two scores outings from Shreve, he still kept you in the game. So, like, you were able to get away with how bad your rotation was because of how good Shreve was pitching. And the thing is, like, he was brought in here, not high expectations. You know, when he was a Yankee, he wasn't all that great. So he had a career year with the Mets. And you could say, okay, well, maybe only because 60-game season, career year, he can't do it again. But to me... I think that Gazelman has gotten so many more opportunities than Shreve and hasn't been nearly as successful. And Gazelman also costs more money. And he's not left-handed. He's right-handed. So it's like, I just oh, yeah, don't see sure. I don't see any reasons why you would pick Gazelman over Shreve. The yeah. only thing I think of is maybe a trade. But who would want Gazelman in a trade? You know what I mean? And I don't like the mindset that yeah, Brody made a lot of mistakes. No question about it. But I'm not going to get rid of somebody because Brody signed. Like, if the player did well, the player did well. Like, I'm not just going to get rid of Diaz now. And then if that's their line of thinking, is J.D. Davis next? Like, are they trying to trade J.D. Davis for this Lindor or Arenado, all these guys we talked about already? Because if that's their line of thinking, that definitely is pretty interesting because I just don't see the downside to this. The way your active roster is right now, I feel like if you non-tender Gazelman and you tendered Shreve, that's a roster spot right there. So, like, if you take both of them, then the 25-man roster does get a little crowded with options and things like that. But I just don't see a reason why you would not keep the guy. I mean, two bad outings and one I was against the Braves. Uh, team should have been in the World Series. Other bad guy was against the Rays. Team that was in the World Series. Mm-hmm. Other than that, guy was lights out. Again, like ER was 199. One bad outing, 313. Next bad outing goes up to four. You know, like his ERA is not a true indicator of his value that he had this season. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, it's definitely an interesting decision. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Yeah. I would have liked to see Chase and Street in the bullpen, as we had said, more the merrier. Um, and if you're going to put Lugo in the bullpen, it looks like maybe Mats is going to be the lefty reliever now, you know, because yeah. you did tender him. And I don't mm-hmm. see Mats necessarily being in the starting rotation. Maybe, maybe yeah, not. No. He would need like a crazy good spring training. So, I mean, is Mats going to be the lefty reliever? It's just that the way the 25 man and the four man roster is going to shake out once they sign, hopefully, these big guys, maybe a McCann as well. It's going to get crowded, and there's definitely yeah. going to be some very important decisions they're going to have to make eventually. 
It's a good problem to have, though. Oh, no, no doubt. Yeah, Definitely I mean, a good we, problem. Yeah, we always talk about it. More pitching is better than less pitching. Or, or yeah. the pitching that they had. Because obviously what they had did not work. So mm-hmm. they have got to get more arms in here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Frank brought, did a good transition there. We're going to talk about Steven Matz, who was tendered by the Mets. I think it was a $5.2 million mm-hmm. deal. Around there. Yep. Yeah, something around there. One year, $5.2 million. Um, For me, I've been starting to change my tone a little bit about Steven Matz. Um, for a while, I didn't like Steven Matz. Um, I still don't like him, but I started to think about it a little bit more. He's a homegrown talent for the Mets. I mean, last season, definitely not good. Previous season, not good either, 4.21. But I mean, $5.2 million for me, if it's Steven Matz, who was projected not less than a year ago to be number four, number five for the Mets rotation to go out and give him $5.2 million. Isn't the biggest deal to me. Um, I think he, I mean, I look, I don't trust him that much, but there's still the opportunity that Steven Matz could turn into something. He's definitely shown times where he could be something last year. I don't think there was one time, which kind of hurts. Only, my argument only his first start of the season. That was yeah. his only like really good outing. Yeah, so it kind of hurts my argument a little bit, but he's had he's definitely shown times. Um, he's been working with Phil Regan, Phil Regan, um, to try and figure it out. Look, I, I don't have a lot of faith that Stephen Matz can turn into something, but I think Stephen Matz has the opportunity, and the Mets went out and drafted him for a reason, and he's still let's see, twenty nine. Okay, close to getting close to thirty. So I mean. Yeah. Look, it's one year, five point two million. Maybe he shows something. Maybe they can trade him, something like that. Maybe he could be that left-handed spot in the in the um, bullpen. bullpen. I mean, all these guys that are in bullpens were people that couldn't couldn't be uh, rotation guys. So maybe yeah. he can turn into something like that. We'll have to see. And I think it it it's a low risk, high reward situation for me. Yeah, I mean, I agree. He's, he's like, such a tough guy to figure out because his, like, good and bad is just so two opposite sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Like, he There's could no be re- – Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. he could be really good or really bad. You never know which one you're going to get because in 2019, his September, I mean, 192 ERA. Like, you know, that's a really good month. Yeah. But then he'll put together, like, a month in July where he had a 7 ERA. You know, but June was a 2 ERA. Like, so he just bounces all over the place, and he's just so, so difficult to figure out. But what I do like is I've said this, but I like him as a depth piece that if let's say there's a double header or, you know, someone is scratched from a start or a 10 day IL stint for like David Pearson or something, just have Matt's fill in, you know, it's not Ariel Harado. It's not Corey Oswald. You know, you feel like you give yourself Mm -hmm. a little bit of a chance and could he fill this chase and Shreve role of like the two innings, the lefty coming out of the bullpen. If the starting pitcher doesn't pitch as long as they should, perhaps, but I, I think for me, what, what I find a little puzzling is that you have this pitching coach, Jeremy Hefner, that we're going to get to later, who is being regarded as like this amazing guy that's recruiting all these pitchers. But a pitcher like Matt's that he obviously did not do a good job with last year. Why would Matt's, yeah, why would Matt's want to go to the former pitching coach for his success, not the current pitching coach? That's a mm-hmm. problem for me. I, I don't like that. That just doesn't send a good message. The one thing with that that I was thinking, I did also have that same – thought process i mean phil regan didn't leave the job on bad terms he more just left because he was old yeah, um, yeah. but he should i mean I'm, I'm sure he did go to jeremy hefner at some point for help but he i mean 
obviously Stephen Matz did not have a good season last year, and that yeah. there's a, definitely a degree of fault that lands on Jeremy Hefner for that because he is the pitching coach. So yeah, that's definitely interesting. I that's this. I saw. I thought the same exact thing when that happened. Okay. Um, let's see. We have uh, Guillermo Heredia, right? That's his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, obviously not a big name. He was tendered by the Mets. Interesting. Um, he didn't have that great of a season. I wish I had his stats up. I mean, I put he, he stats played. Up. He played like two games. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean. He had, yeah. I think, a home run. That was it. Yeah, that, was that out was of the season September. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he had was it thirty three at bats last year. You know, yeah. two home runs. Nothing I mean, you, you know why Guillermo Herrera is on this team? Because here's the Mets current outfielders right now. Since McNeil's playing second base, the Mets current outfielders are Heredia, Nimmo, and Conforto. Like, the Mets literally just, like, don't have yeah. outfielders on the roster. So, they're like, you know what? One million just so we have a outfielder on the roster right now. I mean, that's the only reason why you would bring this guy back. Yeah. He didn't Better do anything Hamilton. amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's true. At Dude. least he gives you a little <sighs> bit of offense. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Now, we they do not have a lot of outfielders on their roster. But the non-tenders that were non-tendered yeah. by other teams, there are a lot of outfielders. A lot of interesting people that were tender, non-tendered, I keep saying. Um, okay. First off, first person I want to talk about that I think for me is pretty interesting. Eddie Rosario was non-tendered um, by the Twins. I don't understand this decision. I mean, last year it was kind of a down year. I mean, the only bad thing I'm seeing through his stats, obviously I wasn't following the Twins that much, but the only really bad thing I see is 257 batting average, which isn't bad at all. Yeah. Um, his OPS is a little down, 792. Um but, I mean, nothing's terrible here. 13 home runs in a 60-game season, 42 RBIs in a 60-game season, not bad. I mean, he was 17th in the MVP years, which obviously means something a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, if you're the one of the 20 best players in the American League, I mean, yeah, how, how yeah. could you say no? Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, the season before, outstanding. 32 home runs, 109, 109 RBIs, 276 batting average. I mean, that's a top spot in the Mets – on the Mets roster, yeah. if you look at what how the Mets produced even last year, I mean, that's probably top five. And he was non-tendered by the Twins. He's an he's a left fielder, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, he is. He's a corner. Which is exactly what the Mets need. I mean, I, I think there's better options. I mean, Marcelo Zuna, obviously. But this, I mean, let's say worst-case scenario, the Mets have to go with Eddie Rosario. I don't think that's the worst situation. And, I mean, you could even sign him to be a backup. I yeah. don't. I don't understand the decision by the Twins. There's obviously something I'm probably missing. Maybe, like, his options are up or things like that. But I, I, I think it was probably more of a financial thing. I, I think, you know, with COVID, like, there was a, a feeling within the industry that there were going to be weird That's, players, non-tendered, yeah, that really right. showed it. Like, like, Brad Hand shouldn't be a free agent. Yeah, no. You know, like, for $10 million all-star closer, should not be a free agent. You know, so I think it came down to that. And also, like, the Twins lineup is stacked. So I, I don't think a loss of Avery's is going to hurt them too, too much. Like they'll find other people that fill in because the Twins have a really good offense. Well, you, yeah, I, I don't think they were thinking that they were going to, you know, non tender him originally because this yeah. guy's been such a mainstay for them for their whole success. You know, full, you know, let little past few years they've been good. I've heard that they tried to trade him as much as they could this past off season and in twenty twenty season. No one wanted him, which is oh, also really perfect. confusing to me. This is like, okay. how could no one want him at all? Like, maybe they're asking too much for it and they got offended and they left mm. the meeting. Th- th- yeah. It could have been that. Reason. I mean, the yeah. age, it's a good age. You know, yeah. last year was a 28 season. That's not a bad age. And he's really still going to improve, too. Yeah. And so he's not like, like, 
he's not like an Ozuna or Schwarber. Like Eddie yeah. Rosario can move. Like he could play exactly. left field. He's a fast a pretty, left fielder. Yeah, he could, at a pretty good level. You he's know, not so there because slow. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, so uh, I mean, he definitely provides a lot of value, and, and I would hope that a lot of teams are interested. I mean, I just don't really see the Mets game because I feel like. Other teams could really use this guy, like the Yankees. Like people yeah. could use Eddie Rosario, so yeah. he definitely is a very fascinating name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the next guy that we're going to talk about also very fascinating. Adam Duvall had a career season for the Braves. His batting average was down two thirty seven, but his power numbers. I mean, he led the lead. I don't. What did was he leading? The is he? There was there was a point in the national where he was leading the National League in homers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He had sixteen home runs last season. Um, if you're a team that needs power, Adam Duvall definitely could do it. A surprising move by the Braves. I know the Braves. The Braves roster is also stacked, but Adam yes. Duvall was was a big name for them last season, um, and definitely an interesting guy to see now on the free agency block. Um, a lot of teams are going to be interested with him and him. The same thing with Eddie Rosario. Um, now, if we're looking from the Mets standpoint, I don't. I I don't really like Adam Duvall as a starting outfielder for the Mets. Um, he could definitely be a backup. Okay, let me put it this way. I want the Mets to go after other people besides Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall is definitely a really good talent. Um, but I'd rather have someone like, if we're looking at a corner outfield spot, I'd rather have someone like Marcelo Zuna than Adam Duvall. But Adam mm-hmm. Duvall is definitely a solid B option if they can't get if they can't figure out something in the outfield other than him. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, we've talked about with Azuna, but I think anytime a Braves player did this well, I mean, if you could just do anything just to kind of, like, hurt them and make you a little York, better. Yeah. And also, he fits, too. Like, whether it is starting, worst-case scenario, or, you know, he's off the bench. And the 162-game season, like, Nimmo needs a day off. Conforto needs a day exactly. off. Boom, Am Duvall goes out there. And Am Duvall, again, kind of like Eddie Rosario, plays a good outfield. You know what I yeah. mean? So this guy can move around the outfield, not just play left field. So, I mean, I just think he provides fine. He gives you pop. Like, not a great average, but this guy can hit a home run. Like, you can't take him lightly mm-hmm. in a lineup. Definitely. You know, he's not an automatic out. So, I mean, in a 60-game season, he just came out of nowhere. And, again, if you're the Braves, like, it was such a low cost. But I think with how much they use a Christian Pache late in the playoffs, I feel like he's got an outfield spot. Mm-hmm. Acuna's yeah. got an outfield spot. Your so, all guy. of a sudden, you don't really have many op- openings. Yeah, and then, like, it, they have got to decide DH or not DH. Because for the Braves, like, do they need Ozuna or do they need Duvall? Like, they're probably going to try to get Ozuna first. You know, as they should. So it just makes it tough for any of these teams deciding on some of these guys. I keep on forgetting about the DH position. I mean, he'd be a perfect, yeah. a perfect yeah. person for a DH. Especially um, he's also right-handed. Like A. Rosario is left-handed. The Mets do need right-handed balance. That's why we, we talk about how important Springer is. Yeah. Like they should yeah. be looking at a right-handed hitting outfielder because Nemo and Conforto are both left-handed. Even McNeil, if you put him back out there, left-handed. Dom Smith, left-handed. You know, yeah, we definitely <laughs> lack power. Yeah, that too, for he sure. Lacked power this past season with Pete Alonso with a slump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean everyone else. It was it was average seasons. You know, Conforto, Dom, uh, McNeil. They were all hitting for averages. You know, Nimble was getting on base, but no one was really hitting the ball over the wall other than Alonso, even though he was struggling. So Duvall could definitely do that. Definitely. Um, yeah. Next up, Alberto Alama, Albert Amora. Amora. Um, <laughs> Uh, for him, formerly now a Cub, um, unless they go out and re-sign for a smaller deal, which I don't expect these players to happen to. Um, compared to Adam Duvall and Eddie Rosario, I'm not that interested in Amora. Definitely an interesting guy. Um, his beginning of his career started off very well, 
just looking at his stats right now, 277 batting average, his rookie season, 298 batting average, his second season, 286, his, second, his third season, then he goes down 236, 167. Um, last season, uh, basically a terrible year for him. He only had 28 games, um, but zero home runs, one RBI, 167 batting average. Obviously makes sense why I think the Cubs non-tendered him. I don't. I'm not really that interested in him. He is a center fielder, um, so could be on the Mets radar. I don't want him to be on the Mets radar, but definitely an uh, interesting guy that was non-tendered. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like Amora, he's there. He's a defensive first outfielder. You know what I mean? Like he's there. If you would get him, it'd be first defense, not his offense. But that's why if you're the Mets, you have got to try to get a two-way center fielder because you don't want to have that decision where it's like, Okay, do we play Nimmo and Saren because he has offense, or do we play Amora or Lagaris or Billy Hamilton or Marisnik and Saren for their defense? Mm-hmm. You know, they can't really be making those kind of decisions anymore. Like Springer really has got to be a high priority for this team. He makes so much sense for multiple reasons. Right. Um, I if it's Amora, I would not be happy with that. Um, okay. Amora like reminds me, like you said, of a Juan Lagares type. Like mm-hmm. that's yeah, what yeah. the Mets have had for a few years, where it's like Jake Marisnik, uh, mm-hmm. um, Lagares, Billy Hamilton. Just yeah. Billy Hamilton. Players that are good center fielders do nothing on offense, which mm-hmm. bothers me so much. Yeah, especially um, when you have the same thing at catcher as of right yeah, now. I was just gonna say, you that, know, yeah. and and if there's no DH and you have a pitcher spot, yeah, there's three automatic outs right there. Mm-hmm. And most, I yeah. give him a minor league deal. Yeah, put him in oh, AAA. Yeah. He get depth because what he's twenty six, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, yep. I might expect him to get better, but I mean AAA, it should light a fire under your butt. Like, oh, I don't want to get fired. Yeah, like <laughs> right. I mean, I like him more than Guillermo Herrera. I'll yeah. say that at least. Yeah, you know, I trust him more. Got yeah. more experience. It's a good point. All right, next up, another guy that I'm really interested in, Archie Bradley, I, Diamondbacks. Oh, he was on the Diamondbacks. Yeah, he also got traded to Cincinnati yeah. at the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, last season did not play well for the Diamondbacks. Four twenty-two ERA, not the worst for a reliever at, if especially you in, at in the sixty-game season. Like I, right. I bet it was like one bad outing. It, he only ERA played balloon. Yeah, it goes through he only roof. played sixteen yeah. games last season. Yeah, um, and then he pitched very well for the Reds. One seventeen ERA in six games. Um, and you look at his other stats from previous seasons: uh, three fifty-two ERA, three sixty-four ERA, one seventy-three ERA. His first two seasons weren't good, but I'll not focus on that because he was obviously young um but another player um who would be a solid option for the Mets out of the uh bullpen and like we've said over and over again the more bullpen players you have the better you have more decisions to make and if you have more decisions that means you have talent to on that team that is definitely good to have more as much talent as possible and Archie Bradley I mean if the Mets went out and signed him having a uh, relief core like that. I mean, you could put Seth Lugo back in the rotation. Um, and there's a lot of options if you go out and sign Archie Bradley and other key relievers that are there. Yeah, I, I like that he at least has a little bit of closing experience, which May doesn't. Like, at least Bradley closed some games. So you do have that going for you. And if you were to sign him, then all of a sudden you the idea of Lugo being in the rotation is a little more realistic because your bullpen is like, doesn't desperately need him as it normally does. Right. Mm-hmm. Very true. Okay. I think that finishes the non-tender tendered. Obviously there are other people like Kyle Schwarber. Um, I don't think he should be an option for the Mets. He does have power, but I think yeah. 
we don't know until it's a DH. Like that, and that's and that's keep on forgetting about that. That's true. It really does. Like I don't. Why would they wait this long? Like I feel like something like this has to be decided before the offseason because people like Marcelo Zuna really suffered from this, from mm. them not knowing because that really affects the amount of suitors that these kind of players would have from teams. Definitely true. Yeah, they gotta they gotta figure that out. Um, all right, next thing we want to talk about Springer James McCann. Um, it seems like two people that the Mets are very high on. Um, going to start with Springer. We see, we keep saying every week the Mets and George Springer are an obvious connection. It seems like it's been multiple reports that it's really George Springer's probably Trevor Bauer, George Springer, James McCann seem to be the likely three that the Mets are hoping to end up with. Um, and George Springer makes so much sense. I don't think we have to keep talking about him, but it continues to be that the Mets are high on George Springer we talked about the Blue Jays last week are def- are definitely high on George Springer. I mean, George Springer is a player to be high on. Um, it seems like the Blue Jays are probably the biggest competition for the Mets in getting George Springer. Um, but I think the Mets and George Springer are such an obvious connection that needs to happen. It just makes so much sense. And the quicker it happens that the Mets go out and sign George Springer, they can focus on other things, which I think is something for the Mets to definitely keep an eye on. Um, do you guys have anything you want to say about that? I mean, I feel like we say the same things every week for George Springer. Not too much. I I mean, I I just think it's good that even though the rumors were Blue Jays are like really strongly interested, the fact that the Mets are not giving up, that they're like Mm -hmm. still in there. They're like, wait a second, you're not just going to take this guy away from us. We really want him. So, you know, we're not going to be scared away by the Blue Jays. We're still going to, you know, be high bidders. And I think that you have the value. You have the benefit of New York over Toronto. You have Steve Cohen, which Trevor May obviously said that was a big deal why he wanted to come to the team. So don't think that George Springer is thinking the same thing. You know, the Connecticut mm-hmm. connection, like, it, it just makes a lot of sense. He would be so beloved by Met fans, and I feel like he knows that. And, and Roger Center fans have good fans too, but I just think that it's, like, such a good fit. I, I, ho- I hope they can pull it off because he just answers a lot of things that they need, whether it's right-handed, whether it's center field. Like, he just does a lot of things that they need right now. It, it's rare that, like, catcher and center field are probably two of the hardest positions to figure out there aren't that many great ones and there usually aren't even available. So anytime that you have that in an off season, you got to try to get them because that really solves it for a little bit. Hopefully until like we say Alvarez comes in, maybe Pete Crow Armstrong comes in until those young guys are ready. You have these guys in place. That's how you get that sustained success of like always having a good player in that position. Yep. Yeah, definitely true. Um, I mean, the next guy that we're going to talk about, James McCann, I think there's a little bit more to talk about um, because of the James McCann between JT Realmuto, who to go after, who the Mets should go out and sign. For me, and I think we've been talking about this week after week, um, the Mets should be more focused on James McCann than JT Realmuto, and it seems like they are right now. James McCann, I mean, I think it was, what's today, Saturday, maybe Thursday, when it was reported that the Mets were in heavy talks with James McCann. Nothing came out of it, which is something we talked about before the podcast, usually when a report like that happens in the next few hours, even in that day, there's usually like some sign that a deal is going to happen. But then it came out that they are in talks with him, but there's no deal yet. Um, there's been um, some rumors that uh, four, four year 36. Uh, yeah. I, I, saw, I saw four year 36. I saw four year 60, but it definitely looks like four years. We at least know yeah. the years part. Yeah, and that's also another thing to keep in mind. Um, how many years do you want to give a catcher? But James McCann, I mean, four years, thirty. if it's 36, that's – what's the math? It's right, like, uh, it's uh, seven, uh, seven or nine. 
That's yeah, a good nine, number. Four times nine. Um, so, I mean, that we were talking about this, but if it's if they can give him less money and give him a couple more years, I'm definitely fine with that compared to someone like JT Remlitz who's asking for insane, insane amount of money for a catcher. Um, and years. Yeah. Insane amount of years, mm-hmm. insane amount of money. There doesn't seem to be one thing that he wants to give up on, and that's something that can hurt his market. And that we were also talking about this, that maybe – because there was no actual contract that was given to, I don't know. I don't know about that, but there's not nothing that's saying the Mets and James McCann are, have furthered their talks. It could be like the Mets are trying to blow smoke with JT Ramuto, trying to get JT Ramuto to lower his asking price, um, which is something that we could see JT Ramuto have to do because it seems like a lot more teams are interested in James McCann than JT Ramuto at this point. I mean, not because of the talent, but because of the money that he's asked, the money and years that he's asking for. Um, so for me, if they can go out and get James McCann, they still can get George Springer and Trevor Bauer, which seems if you get Trevor Bauer, George Springer, and James McCann in an offseason, that's probably one of the best best offseasons the Mets have had in a long time. Um, if that could be the situation, I'd be so into that, um, <laughs> obviously. And I think it just makes more sense for the Mets to be focused on James McCann over J.T. Ramluto at this point. Yeah, and, and what, what the good thing is that, like, it looks like that's their plan. Like, right. from everything I'm reading, it looks like that's what they want to do. They want to get McCann. This way, you know, a catcher, they take care of it. They still have a, you know, quality catcher, but it allows them to focus on those other needs, which would be center field, the starting pitching. It allows them to address all of the needs because if you gave it up on Rio Muto, you're not getting Springer and Bauer, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, you can't really address everything as well as you can. And I think that the disparity between Rio Muto and McCann really isn't that significant. Like, you know, Real Mutual is definitely better, but he's not as much as he's asking for better than James McCann. And even the four-year deal, I see so many Mets fans complaining, oh, but Alvarez is going to be ready in three years. Oh, don't do it, don't do it. It's like, okay, it's just one extra year. It's like Real Mutual where it's like four extra years. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's okay if Alvarez is ready in 2023. It gives him another year. Like, he could probably learn under James McCann because McCann is older. He can teach about his pitch framing. You know, we don't know what Alvarez's pitch framing is like yet. So if he can For learn sure. that on the big league level to and serve a backup catcher role, because don't forget, catchers don't play like 150 games. You know, they're playing more like 140, 130. Mm-hmm. So Alvarez would get plenty of playing time as a backup catcher, and you have a nice little catching core that you could alternate with. I think it just makes a, a ton of sense. I don't see a why you wouldn't do it. But like we said, the fact that the deal hasn't gone through is interesting. And it's just the problem is the market. Like so many teams want to go cheaper right now. They don't want to go yeah. expensive because I think if this was a normal offseason, someone like Real Muto, I mean, he's, he's getting signed, you know, and probably yeah. to a big deal, like with the way Rendon got paid last year. So yeah. I just think that teams are like, oh, you know what? If there's a cheaper alternative, we might have to look at him. And that's why McCann is drawing so much interest. And when Real Muto sees that a team like the Mets, who are actually willing to give out big contracts, is willing to go cheap, that might, you know, give him a heads up. Like I said, I think the only team that's keeping Real Muto's asking price high has to be Toronto. So that's why if I'm the Mets, if you could take Springer away from uh, Toronto, they're going to go all in on Real Muto, yep. you know, because that's where their money is probably going to shift towards. And then, boom, McCann is yours. You know, so I feel like if they could somehow work that out, that'd be really good for them. I think, yeah, we definitely got to get McCann. Not to add on to the fact, obviously, we want to address more positions mm-hmm. like across the whole field because we're definitely missing a lot of spots. Uh, another thing you have to keep in mind, Jacob DeGrom is already 32 years old. Yeah. Um, he's un- under contract till 2025, which is, I believe when he will be 37. He also he has to opt out relatively soon. After 2022. Contract. Yeah. So 
we might want to please him and sign a bunch of people that are going to get us that World Series ring and not just mm. lose to the Royals. <laughs> you know, not leaving Matt Harvey because we really we have a short window to yeah. get him mm-hmm. as, as a Cy Young to win the World Series. No, definitely true. Um, especially, especially if the Bauer deal is a one-year deal. Like yeah. you gotta take advantage of that because if let's mm-hmm. say let's say somehow vaccine goes well, a lot of fans in attendance. If all of a sudden a lot of owners have money next year, Bauer might get paid more than the Mets want to oh, yeah. give him. So, like, if you get Bauer on the one year, don't forget Strowman's on a one year. Syndergaard's going to his last year. Like, yep. this is the year for the rotation. You know, the, everyone mm-hmm. should be healthy. Like, this is the time to do it. Very true. All right. So, next up, Jake Odorizzi has been rumored to be a possible Mets fit um, ever since the Mets went out inside Trevor May. Um, the connection there. Trevor May, um, Jake Odorizzi were both on the Twins at the same time, obviously. Um, friends. Jeremy Hefner, friends with both because he was the assistant pitching coach. Yeah. What was it, assistant pitching coach? Um, with, the, with the Twins. With the twins. Um, so there's definitely a lot there in terms of should the Mets actually go out and sign Jake Odorizzi. Um, we've been talking about how you can't judge 2020 that much. Um but he did have a 6.59 ERA last season. That's a terrible ERA. Um, 6.59 ERA gets into the level where um, Frank had said before we started actually recording, like, can you actually trust him? Can you actually trust that 2020 was just a down year for people when you have such a high ERA? Um, and, I mean, you look at his past seasons, he's never had an ERA below three. Um, never had an ERA below 3.30. Um, his best season was 2015, 335 ERA, 2019, 350 ERA. Those are good ERAs for sure, but they're not outstanding ERAs. Um, and he's, I don't think the guy that the Mets should go after and uh, okay. After hopefully they sign Trevor Bauer and that's a big if, but they need another spot to fill in the rotation. And I don't think it should be Jay Godorizzi. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, he only made four starts last year. He definitely had injuries. So, I mean, that's another red flag right there. He's 30. He's already had injuries, you know? So, I mean, like, we don't know how healthy he's going to be. Like, can we guarantee that, number one, Odorizzi is going to be healthy, and then, number two, he's going to be good? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, is Jeremy Hefner that good of a pitching coach that he got all-star year out of Jeremy Hefner? Well, to me, it doesn't really seem that way if Matt had a bad year and Waka had a bad year and Porcello had a bad year. You know what I mean? Like, is Elman, like, uh, how amazing is Jeremy Hefner? Like, is he only good with some guys? I, I feel like there's just a lot of question marks for Odorizzi that with Syndergaard being out, who's your number two pitcher? Is it Strowman? Is it Odorizzi? Like, I mean, that's not really a number two that's going to have you compete with the top echelon teams. Yeah. For me, Definitely he's agree. Look. I'm not too worried about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, there's not he's he's rumored a lot, though. You know, that, that's what's like kind of concerning is that like he, he gets talked about a lot, a lot, and a lot of Mets fans like him. And I just I just don't see the upside where like he matches up. Like to me, I just think that Bauer, reigning Cy Young winner, we know ceiling is Cy Young caliber. What's Odorizzi's ceiling? Three fifty ERA. I mean, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't want it to be another experiment. Uh, I don't want it to be another experiment with Mike, like Michael Walker and um, exactly. Porcello. Porcello, yeah. I mean, those did not work out. And like Frank said, Jeremy Hefner didn't do a lot to help the situation either. 
Um, I think there's a lot of options out there. One of the other options that has been discussed is the possibility of the Mets trading for Sonny Gray if, let's say, I mean, let's say they don't get Trevor Bauer, or even if they do get Trevor Bauer, they could still probably make this trade get done. Um, Joel Sherman had – I saw this on LMB Trade Rumors. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Frank, did you put this up? Yeah, Sherman wrote a whole article in the Post about it. Mm. You know, okay, he yeah. was just talking about all the things with the Mets. And, like, it makes sense because the Reds need a shortstop, and the Mets have a few shortstops that are available, whether it's Jimenez or Rosario or Mar- Mauricio. So, I mean, the trade, like, player for player makes sense. It addresses both teams' needs. But I guess I don't know who wrote the struggles in New York. That is definitely the big problem. Yeah. But mm-hmm. one thing I will say is that I remember Sonny Gray saying that it's not so much New York, but it was the Yankees' philosophy, the Yankees' approach. Like, the kind of pitches that Sonny, they want Sonny Gray to throw is not what he wants to throw. Like, I remember all the time Sonny Gray was throwing pitches in the dirt constantly. And that's what the yeah. Yankees want him to do. But then in Cincinnati, with a different philosophy, he was able to pitch way better. You know, I mean, like last year, he was really good. And, you know, maybe no fans in the stands. So we know that, like, Sonny Gray has the talent. It's more of, like, a mental thing. So that that, oh, that always is something that you can never really take for granted because we know some guys just aren't made for New York. You know, that's definitely been a thing with the Mets in the past, for sure, for sure. And it's concerning. But you know what? I think that the Sonny Gray trade, uh, maybe it doesn't cost as much as a Blake Snell trade. So, like, again, if you don't get Bauer, I, I think I would rather take my chance with Sonny Gray than Odorizzi. Because, again, like, oh, I've sure. seen the upside that I just think that Sonny Gray has more potential. Was it was it one for one? Was that what he was saying? He said, like, um, Rosario for Sonny Gray, but I feel like there probably has to be more in there. Yeah. Because yeah, if, if, I'm just getting up for, if, I, if it's just Rosario, like, I think that's a I, no-brainer. Almost. I do that. Anyway. You know, yeah. I, I think you have to put in just a little bit more, but not too, too much. Because I don't think the Reds are going to ask for too much. I don't know. I don't think Sonny Gray has that many years left on his deal, to mm-hmm. my knowledge. So I, I, I don't see why not. I mean, if it's a Med Rosario and even like some other, like, I'd totally do that. I mean, so if, if they can somehow get Trevor Bauer, I, I think Trevor Bauer is obviously, you got to focus on him. But if they could even get Trevor Bauer and trade a Med Rosario and some other player that probably won't turn into much for Sonny Gray. And him be like, let's think. I, I, I think it would probably be Marcus Stroman before Sonny Gray. If he's if Sonny Gray's your fourth starter, that would be. And, and then, and then when you have Syndergaard, Sonny Gray's your number yeah. five pitcher. Sonny Gray's your number five. The only problem is though, the one thing I will say is that means David Peterson to the bullpen, which like I already know how that's going to work out too much because again we talked about how the roster is going to shake up. So I don't think you want to get, like, two big-time pitches. I feel like you want to get at least, if you could get Bauer, you just want to get more of a placeholder for Noah. Because then once you have the rotation of DeGrom, Bauer, Syndergaard, Stroman, Peterson, that's a really good rotation, you know? So, like, all of a sudden, if you get too many guys, it it makes things a little tough. But then again, there is always injuries. Because we thought that was going to be a problem last year when they signed Waka. But then when, you know, Syndergaard got hurt, Stroman got hurt, and everyone else sucked, you know, everyone ended up getting a spot, and people who should have pitched had to pitch, you know? So, I mean, it definitely is very interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of different yeah. ways you could do it. I mean, with the David Peterson thing, I mean, he, he, he wasn't even supposed to be up last year, so there is the possibility that he could go back to... Yeah, no. Um, go back to... Uh, I like him. I, I like yeah. Peterson. You like him. Yeah, I mean, he definitely showed a lot last season. At least with David Pearson, he could perform in a Mets uniform where we already have the New York question marks about Sonny Gray. 
you know, I, and also don't forget Pearson's a lot younger, a lot cheaper. You know, oh, I didn't so, realize that's a that's a very good ERA from David Peterson last year. I didn't realize it was that especially low. and like we talked about a short season, like look at Jake Odorizzi's ERA. I mean, come on now. A rookie season, that that's solid. And I, yeah. I bet you there were only like a, a couple of games where boom like right here, he had a three oh three against Orioles, gives up five runs against Philly, ERA went to four twenty six. You yeah. know what I mean? So because he did have that one bad start against Philadelphia where Aristotle Marinos had long relief. So we talked about it. just like one bad start, boom, Yuri goes up a run. But if Pearson could, he yeah. still finished yeah. in the mid threes. Without mm-hmm. that bad Philly mm-hmm. start, I mean, he, had, he would have had Yuri maybe like under. Like he was really good for a rookie. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I didn't realize it was that low. So definitely something to keep keep in mind. Um, next thing I want to talk about. Um, uh, sorry, my computer just lagged. Uh, okay, <laughs> um, Spencer, do you want to talk about? Um, Luis Colas. Sure. Yeah, so Oscar Luis Colas, for those who don't know, he's a 21-year-old first baseman, right fielder, DH, and a starting pitcher. Uh, he's being compared to Otani right now. Uh, oh, 22. My fault. Not 21. He was 21. when He he defected <laughs> as a 17-year-old Cuban to go play in Japan. So he's been there for a while playing for the Hawks, I believe. Yeah, in the Japan Western League. Um, so as of January 15, 2021, that's the date that we're allowed to use international pool money for every single MLB team to try to compete for players like they did for Luis Robert, um, how we got Ronnie Mauricio. And this guy, I mean, if he's comparing compared to Otani at such a young age at 22 and he's not going to be 26 or 27, maybe he'll start in double A in 2021, maybe 2022. I think it's worth it because you can't you're not allowed to give per MLB laws, I guess, a lot of money to international prospects, only signing bonuses. So, I mean, if we have the money, even if it's like 500000 I'm okay with it. He's a slugger. He's a lefty, so. Yeah. yeah there's there's a lot of interesting international free agents that the Mets are constantly rumored with. And now this is, I mean, who knows what he turns into, but yeah. there's always people out there that the Mets could go out and sign. I think Ahmed Rosario was international. I mean, like. Anytime you can do anything to the farm system, especially a team like the Mets, I feel like you have to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What's good is that you're not losing a draft pick here, and the international yeah. money is, like Spencer said, it's like put aside. Like It has, it doesn't have anything to do yeah. with your regular money. You're not going to overpay. It's not like, oh, now we can't mm-hmm. get a certain MLB player because you're selling this international yeah. money. You know, it's something like completely separate. So you hope that it's more of like, it's more on him. Like, is he interested in the Mets? And honestly, what you're hearing from these other players, how much they want to play for Cohen, it could be a thing, you know what I mean? You never know. But I yeah. think that the fact that he could pitch, it makes him extremely intriguing. Because if you could get a player that, you know, they could do that many different things at such a young age, you get the, you have time to develop them. You know, we talked about that last week. Alderson wants to have time to develop this young core and these young players. So, I mean, he would make a ton of sense. So, I, I don't see why you wouldn't, you know what I mean? Like, unless maybe you're looking at some of the uh, Japan players that the Mets have also been, like, rumored with fans want to sign like i don't know exactly how that would affect international money and things like that yeah. but the mets have to do have to address their farm system brody gave yeah. up so much of it anytime you can improve it there is no way you could say no mm-hmm. yeah for sure um there's i mean there's constant i mean guriel was rumored to be with the to the Mets were to be interested in him i mean i mean you're always interested in major guys so yeah. there's always people out there um, next thing I want to talk about, not much to say here, but Billy Owens, who 
was in has been in the athletics or athletics organization for I think 19 season I think that's what the article said um I think he was probably like a Sandy Alderson guy from when he was on the athletics and he's in the GM mix there's been internal discussions whatever that really means um that Billy Owens could be a potential GM fit one thing we were talking about in terms of the GM position um all right and Chris Young I wanted to talk about him too um, is that a lot of people might not be as interested in the Mets job as people would think because Sandy Alderson is probably going to be the one that's more in charge of who they really go after. And that would probably, and a GM position would probably be not as important as it would be on other teams. So that could be an interesting situation that the Mets might have to think about. Um, but if you get a guy that has been with Sandy Alderson, I would assume he was one of Sandy Alderson's guys with the athletics. Um, if you can get people that think the same way as you, we had talked about this, I think on maybe episode one, that there could be too many um, cooks in the kitchen. And if you could get people that think similar ways, it could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. Maybe you want people to give different opinions, but for the Mets, I think it would probably be a good thing because I trust Sandy Arlson to make the right decision. And they have the money that Sandy Arlson can use. If you get a guy that you can trust in a GM position and not butt heads with, that's definitely a huge plus. Um, going off of that, Chris Young, who was a possible Mets GM candidate, um, took his name out of the running for the Mets GM position because of family concerns. We assume we were talking about this. We assume that it's because of COVID. It was never really said. And then a couple of days later, he um, was announced as the GM for the Rangers, and he lives in Texas, right? Yeah, he Dallas. He 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 lives in Dallas, Texas. So could be about family concerns. Wants to stay close especially during COVID, hopefully with the vaccines that'll end soon as everyone hopes. But um, Chris Young decided to make his, take his name out of GM search, sign with the Rangers. We're talking about this, probably not um, a more appealing job than the Mets. I mean, the Mets are probably the most appealing job on the market right now. But um, in terms of if the Mets would have done good with Chris Young, we were talking about this, probably not. Chris Young's another person similar to Brody Ben Wagner who had no experience came in came in Brody Ben Wagner didn't do great for the Mets obviously um did some interesting trades as we talked about over and over again so do you really want another experiment out of the GM role probably not especially with the position the Mets are in right now um so in my opinion I'm happy he's not the GM I want someone else someone that maybe knows how Sandy Allison works like Billy Owens um for me personally, I haven't been paying attention a lot to the GM search, um, but Billy Owen seems like an interesting candidate considering he's a Sandy Alderson guy, and I trust Sandy Alderson. Yeah, I, I hope that it could be a situation where, like, you know, he brings Billy Owens in. He knows him already, so that definitely is a plus when you're, like, interviewing all these different candidates. But if it could be something where, like, he has – we know that Sandy may be here for, like, two years, so if he could just teach the GM as much as he knows to kind of, like, be the next guy for the future – I think that's what it's about, and I feel like that's probably what's turning maybe some guys off to this job is that it's really kind of almost like an internship to some extent, more like a management trainee where Sandy's kind of – he's really the boss. Like, you're not really the GM. Sandy is yeah. the one that's making the decisions. So you're kind of just, like, in the running, and then hopefully you get to take over once Sandy decides to leave. That, that's the way, like, it looks like their plan is right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, in, it's an interesting situation, and I think it, uh, that's why I haven't been paying that much attention to the GM search because it's not, in my opinion, really going to matter until two years down the line. So 
But um, I mean, it's going to be an important thing. decision, though. I mean, like, because whoever they do decide, like, they're going to be here for a while. And, you know, if Sandy's not here, uh, they're going to be making very important decisions, especially with all these guys previously coming up, whether it's Conforto or Alonzo McNeil. Do you extend these guys? Do you trade them? You know, there's going to be important questions that have to be answered. Right. Definitely true. Next thing, um, Hensley, Mew- Hensley Mewlins is not going to be the Mets bench coach um, next season. He decided to leave. No one really knows exactly why he decided to leave. It was kind of an interesting situation. He was um, first off in the running to be the Mets manager when they first decided to get Carlos Beltran as the manager. Then Carlos Beltran made the bench coach. He stayed on as the bench coach under Luis Rojas. Um, Maybe there was some tension between Luis Rojas and him. Possibly. No one knows exactly why he decided to leave unless you guys saw anything different. I I mean, it was really a mystery to a lot of people. Yeah. so he decided to leave. Bench coach needs to be filled. How important is a bench coach? In my opinion, not that important, but um, something to keep an eye on. Next thing, we've been talking about Jeremy Hefner over and over again. There's not much more to say about this, but he's the pitching coach for next season. Um, he's going to stay as the pitching coach. So those are kind of just like two little details that we wanted to add in. Um, but I think that about wraps up the podcast for this week. Definitely an interesting week of Mets news. People still on their rumor mill. People still, the Mets are connected to everyone, it seems like. Finally start to see some signings between the non-tender, tender deadline and um, Trevor May. Um, Yeah, so I'm hoping maybe next week when we do the podcast, we'll have George Springer on the roster and James McCann. That would be amazing. And then we have a lot to talk about. Um, But, yeah, I think that about wraps up this week's podcast. Thanks for listening. I forgot to say again. Our podcast is part of the Met Universe um, and the Sport Universe Podcast Network. If you want to check out the Met Universe, it's at the Met Universe. If you want to check out the Sport Universe, it's at the.sport.universe on Instagram, TikTok, all these, all different platforms. So go check us out there. We have a new logo. Looks very good. Um, so if you see that, it's new. Um, that's, there's not much more to say about that. Um, thanks for listening. Bye.